There we go. How's that? Doing good. All right. Man, can't believe I did that. It's just hot weather. Jacks me all up. I'm all sunburned. It's a mess. Hey, I'm so glad you guys are here. I know there's a lot of things you can do on a Sunday, especially during March Madness, but I promise I'll have you out of here before the Shockers play. I, hey, there you go, right? And uh, I, I was going to make, I, I've, I've used up my, my allotted K-State joke, so I can't make any jokes there. I'm, I'm allowed one per year, and I use that early, early on. But hey, if you're a guest with us today, uh, I want to catch kind of everybody up. We're actually closing out a series today called God Never Said That. Uh, you can check out the previous messages online, but really what we're doing is we're trying to explore some cultural lies that a lot of times people attribute to God, but in reality, God never said those things. It's dangerous for us to believe things that God never, in fact, said. So today we're going to look at one of the most relevant culturally believed lies. Hopefully we'll come to some sort of agreement on it by the end of today. But our key verse for this entire message series comes out of a book of John. John 8.31, Jesus says this, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. And the truth is going to set you free. And really, that's our goal for this series. We want to know the truth. We want to be set free from any sort of bondage that believing lies can really uh, lead to and enslave us, and we do not want to be there. So my hope for us today is that some of you can stop believing a lie. I do not believe you are here by accident today. I believe this is a divine appointment, and God has something he wants to say to somebody today. Amen, anybody? Here we go. All right. So, many people wrongly believe this. You maybe have heard it. You've maybe even said it. We just saw it on the video. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. It doesn't matter what you believe specifically about God as long as you're sincere in that belief. You maybe heard all paths lead to heaven. This is a dangerous, dangerous lie to believe. We're going to explore that today. What's kind of curious to me and, and also fairly interesting is that in our culture, basic spirituality is not controversial. I mean, you could talk about God, watch any sporting event. At the end of the event, they're going to, they're going to thank God, right? At the Grammys, every artist, hey, all credit goes to God. The Oscars were just on some of the actors. Uh, let me give credit to God. And my mom, right? Everybody thanks their mom. Uh, we, we would not be here without you, mom. So yeah, I get, I totally get that. But literally, if you, if you watch somebody on TV or listen to talk radio or somebody like Oprah or whoever, they'll, they'll attribute some things to spirituality or a higher power. They'll talk about God and there's no controversy around that. When is there controversy? It's when people start talking about Jesus. There's controversy around the name of Jesus. You can talk about God. You can talk about a higher power. You can talk about spirituality. Nobody's going to trip out. But the moment you start talking about Jesus, bringing up the teachings of Jesus, it's when things get really touchy. What's fascinating to me is this. No one really debates the existence of Jesus. Even his detractors would say, oh yeah, no, he was... He was a real person. There's just too much historical, factual evidence we have to say Jesus was a real living human being who walked on earth. Nobody debates that anymore. Furthermore, it's kind of comical to me is everybody loves the teaching of Jesus. Like we can all get on board with uh, help the poor, 
love others, be generous, forgive those who hurt you. I mean, his teaching is phenomenal. Everybody, everybody likes the teaching of Jesus. Even Gandhi, right, is, is attributed a quote to talking about Jesus. So why is it that everybody gets so upset when you start talking about Jesus? And the answer falls basically in the exclusive claims that Jesus made. It's the exclusive ch- claims that Jesus uh, get, that gets people all bent out of shape and rattled that Jesus made. I want you to, to take a look at this yourself. So if you brought a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to open up to John again. John's a great guy towards the back of your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John is how it's going to go. You want the big number 14. In this chapter, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and one specific disciple asks him a question. We're going to drill down on the answer to that question because this is the exclusive claim that gets Jesus in trouble. Watch this. Jesus' response, John 14, 6. I am the way, not I am a way. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. What's Jesus say next? No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what gets people bent out of shape. That's the exclusive claim that Jesus makes that nobody likes to read. Because if that's true, then some other things have got to be true in your life. Mainly, you've got to believe in Jesus. He is the way to the Father. So what I want to do here for just a little bit is I want to talk openly about some of the other world religions. And I want to acknowledge that there's bits and pieces of truth in these other religions, some truth. And there's some beauty in some of these things as well. That's what makes them believable. Because if they were completely heretical, then we wouldn't have a desire in our heart to want to drift towards something like that. So I think we can all acknowledge, I'm ready to acknowledge, that there's some truth, some beauty in these other religions. But what you have to completely understand is they are not the same. These other world religions are not the same as Christianity. To give you a real brief overview, here's some of the high points, a few of the major world religions. Buddhism, for example, has no God. Okay? Buddhism does not believe in a God. There's no final type of existence. A Buddhist would believe in countless rebirths. So you're reborn, reborn, reborn. Eventually, you want to end that cycle of rebirths called nirvana, you cease to exist. That's your goal. Okay, it sounds horrible to me. But Hinduism, very different. Hinduism has an, an impersonal God. You can't really approach that God. You have to approach him through deities or statues or idols, a number of other gods, in order to get to this one God. So Buddhism, Hinduism, Hinduism they both uh, do not offer forgiveness of sins. They do not offer supernatural help. They only offer karma. So if you do bad things... Bad things are going to happen to you. If you do good things, then potentially some good things will happen to you. But how often do you see in your own life that you feel like you're doing good things and bad things are happening? So that doesn't always feel like a very great uh, path to follow. Furthermore, if you're a Buddhist and you believe in these reincarnations, right, you're going to come back as, you know, an earthworm or something absurd, and then that's really going to suck for you. I mean, but nonetheless, uh, Muslims, here's what they believe. They believe in a god called Allah. Uh, they worship Allah, his personal God. There's no secondary gods, but your standing as a Muslim is all uh, around 
righteousness. Like, in order for you to be able to approach Allah, you have to do uh, some really good things, and there's tons of different rules. That's what you see uh, on TV about, you know, hair coverings. There's this big battle in France right now about bathing suits, if you guys have seen the news about that. But they, they have to follow all these rules. Prayer, you know, every single day, you know, five times a day, you have to get up at the sound of the horn. And, and so, again, that's probably a good thing. Maybe we should figure that out for ourselves. But uh, you have to follow the rules, if you want to be able to approach God. It's a works-based religion. Mormons, y'all get the Mormons coming to your house, banging on your door, just looking for a place to take a nap, probably. Uh, they, that was a joke, okay, don't take that seriously, okay, some of you are pretty upset about that, I apologize. Uh, Mormons believe in a trinity, okay, but they're separate gods. They're not the same God. Jesus became a God. That's what the Mormons believe. In fact, they believe that you can also become a god. Uh, you'll inherit a, a, a world, uh, like a, your own planet uh, after you die. It's very confusing to me. I didn't have the tablets to explain it all. But nonetheless, that's what they believe. So let's take Christianity. Christianity is different from all of these religions. It has a personal God who's exposed to us through the love of God's Son, Jesus. He offers the forgiveness of sins. It's not based on your righteousness or your efforts. It's entirely based on God's goodness. That's the tenet of Christianity. You can see it vastly, vastly different than all other world religions. So we have to acknowledge that there can be some truth and some beauty in these other religions. I'm not trying to poke fun at them. I'm just trying to point out that there's a vast difference specifically around the work of what Jesus did for you. They are not the same. Don't let anybody ever tell you that all religions are the same. They're completely different when they surround this idea of Jesus. Everybody believes Jesus is just a prophet. He's a great man. Again, nobody questions his existence. Christianity is the only one that says he is the Son of God and God, part of the Holy Trinity. So, I think if you're sincere and completely objective, when somebody says to you, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Number one, that's not true. God never said that. What did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And point two is it's not right. You can't believe that that if you're just sincere, it's completely false. So what I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is I want us uh, to do something very simple. I simply want us to consider Jesus. If Jesus is really the linchpin that separates Christianity from all other world religions, I want us to consider Jesus. I'm not asking you to consider our church today, okay? It's not my goal. I'm not asking you to consider some sort of denomination. I'm not even asking you to consider Christianity. It's not, again, my goal. Because I'm going to argue that Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Jesus came to start a movement and reveal the love of God to those who need Savior. So I'm not asking you to consider our church. I'm not asking you to consider some denomination. We're non-denominational. I'm not even asking you to consider following Christianity. I'm simply asking you to consider Jesus. Please don't consider the behavior of those people who call themselves Christians. 
Because you're going to meet one Christian that you can feel like is, is great and genuine. They're really espousing the love of God and full of grace. And you think that if that person is Christianity, then that's right. But then you can meet somebody else and you're going to say they're narrow-minded and egotistical and judgmental and they're a bigot. So I'm not even asking you to consider the behaviors of people who call themselves Christian. I'm not even asking you to consider me or what I have to say. Some of y'all hate my guts. And I, I, hey, I get it, right? I mean, guys especially. You, I mean, I, your wives are so gullible. They believe what I say, and then they come home and tell you you got to do stuff. So I get it, okay? I'm, I, it's fine, okay? I, I sleep okay at night. But you might hate me. You might really even like me. And some of you all need to know that I'm going to let you down at some point if I haven't yet. So I'm not asking you to consider me. I'm asking you to consider this church or Christianity or any of that. I just want us to spend a few moments considering Jesus. What he did, what he didn't do, and how it impacts your life. That being said, let's take some notes. If you're going to jot something down, jot this down. I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Put a passage there in your notes. It's chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 of a book called Mark. We see that Jesus interacts with some religious leaders of the day. These guys were called Pharisees. And when they saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, they immediately went to the disciples. Because this is a big deal. Religious leaders are not supposed to eat with people who are considered unclean. Sinners and tax collectors. And so he, the uh, Pharisees, the religious leaders, asked the disciples, hey, why is Jesus doing this? No really righteous person would eat with that kind of person. They're too dirty. They're too filthy. They're full of sin. And, and on hearing this, Jesus responds. He doesn't allow his disciples to respond. He steps into that. I love what he says. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. Who needs a doctor? It's the sick. He said, I've come not for the righteous. I came for sinners. Jesus came for people like me who can't seem to get it right. Amen. Think about that. To those whom others despise, Jesus loved and accepted. To those who religion rejected, Jesus reaches out to them and he does it all over scripture. Story about a woman caught, literally caught in the act of adultery, probably set up. They drag her to Jesus and say, this woman deserves to die. The law says we can pelt her with rocks until she bleeds to death. It's punishment for this sin. Jesus, what say you? Jesus says, whoever has no sin in their life, you get to throw the first rock. And he starts drawing in the sand. We don't know what he says, but Imagine something pretty awesome. Eventually, he looks up and says to the woman, Where, where'd everybody go? He says, they left. He says, then, go your way and sin no more. I don't find any fault in you either. Your sins are forgiven. But he doesn't just stop 
with the forgiveness of sins. That's part of the ministry of Jesus, forgiving sin. But he goes on and he does some crazy miracles. He heals blind eyes. He opens deaf ears. He causes mutes to speak. He touches lepers, those people who had to yell, unclean, unclean. If anybody walked towards them, Jesus walks towards them. He heals them. He turns water into wine, which is his first miracle. I love that. Some of that's a problem for you. Great. More wine for me. Uh, Totally kidding. Again, uh, this is a bad joke day today. But Jesus multiplied loaves and fishes. He fed over 15,000 most likely people with loaves and fishes. 5,000 men and their spouses and children. He walks on water. Jesus raises the dead. And here's what's crazy. His critics don't question the validity of any of those miracles. They just said, we want you to stop. We see it happening and it's not right. We just want you to stop the miracles. That's the ministry of Jesus. That's how we know he's the son of God because he forgives sin. And he does crazy miracles. And some of you this morning, you are a miracle of the ministry of Jesus. I know this morning we we have a guy that comes to New Anthem who was literally hit by a train. Like he's working on the train. Train hits him, cuts him in half. It's a miracle of the ministry of Jesus. Of Jesus. Last year I got to baptize a guy who had DUIs, addicted to alcohol. Some of you guys are struggling with alcohol as well. He's a miracle of the ministry of Jesus, sober, baptized in the name of Jesus. Some of you have experienced these things. Some of you have freedom, financial freedom, because you start following principles in the Bible, spiritual freedom, physical freedom. You're not bound by anything. You're a miracle of the ministry of Jesus. Me, I'm a miracle of the ministry of Jesus. I've shared my story many times. I'm not going to take time to do it this morning, but here's what I can tell you. I was not a good person, and Jesus didn't make me a good person. He made me a new person, completely new, not a better version of the old me. I'm a new me. You can be too. It's the ministry. Jesus, different person. The old is gone. The new has come. That's the power of rebirth, and that's the power of Jesus. So, when you're wondering if it matters what you believe, yes, it absolutely matters. It doesn't matter if you're sincere or not. Nobody else can give you new life. Who else is going to offer you the forgiveness of your sin? Who's going to give you a past that's been forgiven? A present where you've got a purpose and a reason for living and getting up every single day and you've got a future in heaven. Nobody else is going to promise you that. Christianity is the only one who makes that claim. I can forgive all your sin, past, present, and future. Then I'm going to give you a purpose in your life. And when you follow that purpose, you're going to have fullness of life. God's not trying to keep anything from you. He wants you to have fullness of life. And he'll give you a future in heaven for all eternity. Nobody else boasts those claims. If we're going to brag on something, we're going to brag on Jesus. I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus. I also want you to consider the resurrection of Jesus. 
We don't believe in the Bible that we just read it. Yes, it's God's holy book, God's word that when he speaks, it's when you open your Bible, totally get that. Infallible in error, totally. But we don't believe that because the Bible tells us to believe that. We believe in an event that Jesus did what he said he would do, which is three days after dying, that he rose from the dead. Everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. That he who knew no sin became sin for us, which is why he had to be born of a virgin. So he did not inherit any uh, sin nature from an earthly father, that he could go to the cross perfectly sinless, so he could become sin for us and die on the cross. So I don't want you to miss the power of this. On the cross, when creation was mocking him, creation mocking the creator, that's kind of uh, ironic. When They had done their worst to him, beaten him beyond recognition, driven stakes through his hand and through his feet, hanging him on this instrument of torture. Jesus goes up to God, says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he said, it's finished. I did it. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And the earth went dark. And then it trembled. The centurion who carried the cross of Jesus said, he's not a believer, looked up and said, surely that man was the Son of God. Three days later, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. Acts chapter 3 records this. Peter says, you killed the author of life, but, somebody help me out, what's he say? Amen. The tomb is empty. God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. We're what? Say it again. Witnesses. We saw this with our own eyes. We didn't make this up. We are witnesses of this man being raised from the dead. He was dead, confirmed dead by a professional executioner. And we are witnesses of seeing him alive again. Now, the critics, the skeptics are going to say, well, the, uh, the Roman soldiers probably just stole the body. Okay, this was a devil that you, you saw. The Roman government would have loved nothing more to be able to roll out the body of Jesus to stop and quench this little rebellion happening in and around Jerusalem. That's not what happened. And so people will say, well, well, he faked his death. Are you kidding me? He was confirmed dead. A stake driven through his heart. Okay, so that's out of the picture. People will then go on to say, well the, well, the disciples, they stole the body and they just told everybody that they saw him alive again. Now that's absurd. Because you're going to tell me that these 11 small town, uneducated, untrained, often incompetent, below average men, they overpowered, trained and armed Roman soldiers sitting outside the tomb. Sounds ridiculous. But furthermore, they had to go on these same dues to devise the most elaborate scheme in the history of the world because they had to manage to keep this all the secret that they actually stole the body and then told people they saw a lie with no personal gain. They weren't making money for this. There's no benefit to them. Only extreme personal loss because all but one of these men died horrible and brutal deaths. No, that's ridiculous. 
They were eyewitnesses. The tomb was empty. Jesus was not dead. Somebody should get excited right now because Jesus is alive. Most beautiful news in the history of the world. That a sinless man died for you. And took his sin on his body so that you could be made brand new. Blows me away, there's only one dude who doubted this whole thing. You know his name, Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas said, I can believe it until I see it. Jesus just shows up like some sort of Jedi master and says, check it out. Touch my hands. Touch my feet. Feel my side. Thomas says, I believe. He goes on to be the greatest evangelist into the country of India that the world has ever seen. You know what happens to him? They say, we're sick of hearing about this Jesus cat. You need to renounce your faith, and you need to follow the beliefs of our culture. He says, I'll never do that. So they drove a spear through his body. The man who doubted, this was just made up. Why would he die such a brutal death, impaled on a stake for something that was a lie? No, 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 no. He saw the risen Christ. Don't consider me. Don't consider this church. Don't consider some denomination. Don't consider religion. Consider the eyewitnesses who saw Jesus die and then come back to life. Consider his ministry. Consider the resurrection. The eyewitnesses saw him. And finally, I want you to ask you to just consider the message, the eternal message. Consider the eternal message of Jesus. I love the way Paul summarizes this in Romans 3.22. He says, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. You want to be made right with God? All you have to do is place your faith in Jesus Christ. It's crazy powerful, but crazy true that whoever believes, no matter who you are, you can be made right with God by placing your faith in Jesus. No matter what you've done, no matter how dark your life is right now, no matter if you are as bad as me or worse than me or even better than me, no matter how many sins you've committed, you get the opportunity to place your faith in Jesus Christ and all your sins can be forgiven. No matter how much you've hated Christianity, no how many bitter Christians you've met and it's turned you off, no many bad churches you've been to, anyone, anyone, who places their faith in Jesus will be made new. How are we made right with God? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. And this is true for anyone, no matter who they are. See, Christianity really is Christ plus nothing. All these other religions say, you have to do something. Jesus says, no, 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 I, I did it all for you. It's Christ plus Nothing. It's not Christ plus good works or Christ plus church membership or Christ plus baptism, even though all those things are important steps of faith and obedience, and you should do them specifically. Baptism, if you've made a declaration of faith in Jesus, which we've had over 60 salvations since we've started, you should be baptized. Yeah, that's fantastic. But you should be baptized. But 
It's not Christ plus any of those things. It's not Christ plus getting rid of, rid of your bad stuff or stop having bad thoughts or stop doing bad things, stop saying bad things. It's not any of that. It's Christ plus nothing. In Christ alone, we have the hope of eternal life. In Christ alone, we're made new. In Christ alone, we're forgiven our sins. In Christ alone, the old is gone, the new is come. In Christ alone, we are made real. It's in Christ alone. Consider that eternal message. With religion, here's the the problem with religion. It's all about you. It's all about what you can do to earn your way into right standing with God. It's about how you perform and what you do. And am I good enough? It's what you always ask yourself. And is it, do I get rid of the bad stuff? Religion is all about me. That's why Christ never came to start a religion. He came to show the love of God. And while religion is all about you, a relationship is all about what God did for you. And that's what he wants. He just wants you involved in a religion. He wants you involved in a relationship with him. Religion says, if I'm good enough, God will love me. And God will accept me if I obey. Relationship says, because God already loves me, he accepts, accepts me, I choose to obey. It's a huge difference. It's not in an effort to gain his love. It's in a response to his love that was already there from the very beginning. God loves you. He doesn't love you because of what you did. He loves you because of what Jesus did. He loves you because of who he is. It's all about Jesus. There's nothing you can do to cause you to to cause God to love you more. And there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any less. He loves you. Listen to me. He hates sin. That's why he had to send his son to die on the cross. When his son died, he says, it's finished. You may want to add something. Jesus said, it's it's done. I, I did everything that I need to do. You may want to add good works, but God said, no, it's done. 2,000 years ago, Jesus did it. He became flesh, dwelt among us. He did everything that needs to be done. He was without sin, died on the cross. On the third day, he rose again. So when you believe in him, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or how bad you are. It's finished. It's finished. God says, it's done. Look at your neighbor and say, it's done. It's done. I'm done, but I need you to hear this. Some of you right now are going to say, that sounds all good, Pastor. It sounds great, but it's too good to be true. It's too good not to be true. Of course it's too good to be true. But that's all you have to do is trust in Jesus because no person would make up a God who would become one of us and die in our place. That's why it's called the gospel, the good news. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God says it's done. If you'll believe and put your faith in Jesus, it's done. God never said all paths lead to heaven. God never said, if it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. God said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me and has drastic implications on your life 
today because if you'll trust in Jesus, you'll be made new too. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed here today. If you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, maybe you're ready just to recommit your life. You said, man, I've, I've wandered. I, I need something. If that's you this morning, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart with me. Just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned. I'm sorry I've not done what you wanted. But I believe that Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died for me. And he rose again. And because of that, I'm made new. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I'd invite you to come. Please talk to me. I want to give you some more information. I'll be at the back of the service. Find somebody with a red tag, one of the ushers. They'd be happy to help you as well. But I want to tell you your next steps. As we continue to pray, I want to pray just a special prayer of blessing over us as we consider what Jesus did for us. How we're made new. How in Christ alone we're saved. Father, we thank you so much for a place that allows us to come and explore your truths and ask questions. Safe place to be a doubter, God. Thank you for that. Just ask that you send your Holy Spirit in a powerful way to bless each person here this morning. As they consider everything that you did for their life, how they can be made new. Help them today to live for you. Give them the power to endure whatever it is that they're going through and knowing all things work together for good for those who love you or are called according to your purpose. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.